This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for being here all week long. And thanks for watching at 7 o'clock tonight. I'll be on primetime again, completing the week. Ari Fleischer at the bottom of the hour. So great to talk to Ari to get perspective on uh, uh, Joe Biden's first ever press conference as president of the United States. He'll put it all in perspective. I looked at some of his tweets. Uh, he was not impressed, to say the least, nor was I. Nor I'm very curious what you, how you feel. one 408 With an eye towards 2024, Mike Pompeo in Iowa today. That's going to be starting. Uh, that's uh, going to be tonight. He is the first one on the Republican side that I know of, a prominent uh, Republican to obviously make it seem as though he's running in 2024, the former Secretary of State and CIA Director and Congressman from Kansas. And a little bit later, Senator Cruz and Senator Cornell will be going down to the border, and they're going to demand to see the facilities where these over, where the overcrowded conditions are not open to the press. And that is not okay. Joaquin Castro will be there, too, with a different delegation about 90 minutes prior. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We believe in free expression. We believe in free debate and conversation to find the truth. At the same time, we must balance that with our desire to, for our service not to be used to sow confusion, division, or destruction. This makes the freedom to moderate content critical to us. Wow, that's Jack Dorsey, runs Twitter, he, along with the CEO of Google and Facebook. We're on Capitol Hill taking shots from both sides. These guys, well, big problems. They are just too big. They got widely blasted on Capitol Hill yesterday. As it becomes clear, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are too powerful. And they miss Trump as Parler battles to get back in the game. Number two. It's so insulting to every citizen of this country to say that it's a civil rights violation to ask somebody for an ID to vote. It's suspicious that Democrats suddenly decided right. that voter ID violates civil rights. I broke up the press conference this way. Here's the part I want to dig into. Stephen Miller on primetime with me last night. Voting rights and H.R. 1. Federalization of elections is being debated in the Senate to reform state voting like what's happening in Georgia. Directly opposite. They want to make sure who you are is who you are when you vote. That is not racist. It is a pitch battle as opposed to H.R. 1 who wants to make it so easy to vote. The verification, signature verification, social security numbers, and picture ID will be old news. I'm not okay with that. It's a pitch battle, too, emerging between both sides, and the stakes could not be higher. Also looming in the background is whether the Senate rules change and Dems are able to jam their agenda down America's throat, meaning goodbye filibuster if they pull it off. Number one. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you... Uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, where am I here? Let me see. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Sorry. Oh. I, I actually don't know what that analogy means. It took 64 days, President Biden, to hold a press conference, and now I know why he waited. 
He was not strong. He was not smooth. He needed flashcards for basic policy questions. His greatest asset, a compliant press. Main theme, border crisis. Biden blames Trump, and Trump hits back. And that's where we'll begin. You know, after these major press conferences or major events, State of the Union, you, always, uh, you don't know where to start. You have so much. So it's 1.15 in the afternoon. I assume you saw some of the coverage. You probably didn't watch it live. You're busy running around. Uh, hopefully you, you have a job and you say, you know, okay, the first press conference in the afternoon. That was interesting. As John Roberts brought up to me, is that when his best time is yesterday? John Roberts who covered so many White Houses because he's sharpest then? Or is it because there's less media attention then? First off, on his overall performance, I want you to hear some of the give and take. And I also want to see how on some of this stuff was so biting, it was so brutal on the former president and totally unnecessary and inaccurate. It drives me nuts. Actually, before we have the mistrips, let me just tell you what, what bothers me most. First off, he was wrong on so much in what he said. He said most of the people that come over are being sent back. No, it isn't. Only 13 percent are being sent back when they come over the border. Can you believe that we're in the middle of a pandemic? We're in the middle of a $1.9 trillion stimulus plan that just passed. He's about to queue up and introduce next week a $3 trillion it's probably going to be 4 or $5 trillion infrastructure package, and he's going to have tax hikes, and he's revamping our economy, our energy service, where we are the behemoth of the planet, and he's going to green the whole thing. We are no longer going to be exporting more than we import our energy as of maybe two or three months from now. None of that stuff made it, nor did any Fox reporter get called on. I was stunned to see that he had to have note cards. He had pictures of reporters. I thought that was weird. Just say AP reporter Bill Jones. Why do you need to see his picture or her picture? Number two is he couldn't ad-lib a foreign policy when it comes to North Korea. An eighth grader can ad-lib the North Korean foreign policy after they shoot off a rocket. It's called containment, pressuring China to do something about North Korea, and then tell me if you want to meet with them like Trump or you want to isolate them like President Obama. That's it. Why are you reading that off a card? You're the former chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. That scares me. Not one question about the 15,000 people that lost their job about the Keystone Pipeline. As I mentioned, the pandemic didn't come up. Went 62 minutes, 10 reporters. And Trump, he was brought up every single moment. Where was he wrong? Where was he wrong? Saying that this is a seasonal surge at the border. It is not. It is a 20 to 30 year high. Blaming the lack of infrastructure at the border for the reason why people are overcrowded, that Trump took it down. No, he didn't. He wasn't using it because he controlled it. So here's Joe Biden. And this is the most outrageous statement, which he skidded into and has not not been called out on. Cut three. The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. Okay. He didn't let kids starve on the other side of the border. He doesn't want to do the Remain in Mexico policy that Mexico agreed to, that repelled other people from coming here because we can't process everyone on our side, and they put 20,000 of their Marines on their southern border. You don't like that policy? He actually went on to say it's against international rules. And Really? You tell Mexico and the U.S. they violated the rules. What, are we going to be taken to, to court in The Hague? It's called agreement between neighboring nations. So Trump was—President Trump— was on with Laura Ingram last night, responded, cut for. Well, first of all, it's just the opposite. But by the time we finished what we were doing, 
Very few people were coming up because they knew they weren't going to get through. Uh, we stopped catch and release, which was a disaster. And the very biggest thing was we had the stay in Mexico policy. And that means that we wouldn't allow people to wait in our country until they were totally checked out, which most of them didn't get checked out. And they would go back to their own country uh, if young kids were with parents. Okay. The other area, and that's exactly what's happened, unaccompanied minors coming in. If now, if they have a note in their pocket, they get in. And as far as I could tell, none are being sent back. So Joe Biden's policy, which he does not being pressed on, says if you're an unaccompanied minor, you can come and you can stay. That's what Jen Psaki says. If you are in Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, why wouldn't you come? Mexico, why wouldn't you come? You send a kid over, you get to stay. Maybe eventually you can send for your parents, especially if you have relatives here. Do you understand how one policy ricochets all the way back and sends everyone else on caravans on top of trains? Our direction, pay off coyotes. Most of the time, work for drug cartels. They take the American money, they buy more drugs, and bring it across the border. How does he not understand that? So having said that, I want you to hear the circuitous conversation he gets into. Joe Biden says, I'm not going to let kids starve on the other side of the border. So they can't, and they can come and they can stay. So then a reporter brings up and says, I talked to some of these uh, illegal immigrants. And I asked why they came. And they said they came because they think that you're going to let them stay. And he goes, uh, well, you know, for kids, I'm going to let them stay. So he tells the whole story. And here's what he says. Cut 11. Quick follow, if I may. Do you want to see these unaccompanied minors staying in this, ch- this country or should they be deported eventually? Well, the judgment has to be made whether or not, in, th- in this young man's case, he has a mom at home There's an overwhelming reason why he'd be put in a plane and flown back to his mom. Okay. So if they have parents in their home countries, they're going to be flown back. If that is indeed the case, that would indeed stop the wild surge we're seeing that's overwhelming the border and just just crushing facilities. What are you doing? What is your policy? Why did you not get six or seven? What is the unaccompanied minor policy? Why do you think that your deal with Mexico, remaining in Mexico, is inhumane? Why don't you believe that Obrador, uh, why do you think Obrador called you the migrant president? So now all these facilities are overwhelmed. They only showed us one. First they gave a stock footage government shot. Then they let NBC go in and shoot it. And then they thank goodness for Congressman Cuellar, a Democrat, who gave us pictures of over- overcrowded conditions. Kids in, pan- in, kids in pens replace kids in cages. But the press has given them a total pass. So listen to this. So the facilities in Donna, Texas especially, are 20 times overrun with kids. So listen to this exchange. Cut 12. What is your reaction to these images that have come out from that particular facility? Is what's happening inside acceptable to you? And when is this going to be fixed? That's a serious question, right? Is it acceptable to me? Come on. That's why we're going to be moving a 1,000 of those kids out quickly. That's why I got Fort Bliss opened up. That's why I've been working from the moment this started to happen to try to find additional access for children to be able to safely, not just children, but particularly children, to be able to safely be housed. Why did you take 60, 70 days to get Fort Bliss opened up and these other three bases opened up if, of course, that was your plan? Right now, these kids are supposed to be out in 72 hours. Some of them have been two or three weeks. 
right? Whose fault is that? Oh, it's Donald Trump's fault. First page of the Washington Post. It's okay to blame Trump. It's not okay. Tom Homan, who worked for both, listened to Joe Biden just flat out lie or so oblivious and absent-minded he forgot. Cut 14. President Biden said today that he's not going to be ashamed of undoing, you know, President Trump's policies of family separations. Well, let me remind him, I was there in, during the Obama-Biden administration, and we separated families. It happened under his administration. And the cages that they want to call cages were built under his administration. It was President Trump that ended family separation. So let's get that clear. And they're back to the same facilities they attacked the president on, the very same facilities, except the quality of care has went downhill under the Biden administration. So the fact is, President Trump did much better with, with the crisis. He fixed the crisis and got us to a record historic low on illegal immigration. You could go criticize President Trump if you want. Not on that. And if for two and a half years he wasn't fending off lawsuit, that barrier would have been built, the fence, the wall, whatever you want to call it. It's the one the Border Patrol prefers they can see through and be able to uh, act on that's accompanied with uh, high-tech uh, high tech technology. So that would have been done if Democrats didn't sue not to build it, which as uh, early as 2006, they voted to fund it. But it's all personal. It's nothing to do with making us safe, making our country better. It's all about their, their political games. It's like going to a football game and we're there to watch a game and the teams prefer to take off their helmets and just punch each other out. And you think to yourself, I paid for a ticket to watch this game. I wanted to see two teams play football, and instead they want to punch each other out. That doesn't help me. And actually, you could say, too, the reporters didn't help the country. Because if you ask the average person, they're concerned about the border, but they're also concerned about the pandemic. They're concerned about the vaccines and the variants. They're concerned about getting back to school. They're concerned about their taxes being raised. In the 10 questions, none of that was brought up. What do you think? 1-866-408-7669. Now, when we get back, the fallacy of how Georgia's plans, and I think 34 states are changing some of their election rules, are there to make these election results more authentic, more pure, not uh, having anything to do with race or boxing anybody out of the ballots. It's to make sure who you vote for, who you are, uh, when people show up, your vote counts, and the right person shows up. It's to eliminate voter fraud. That's it. Nothing to do with race. Uh, for President Biden to say that yesterday, I assume he's been briefed inaccurately as opposed to flat-out lying. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then Ari Feisch will be joining us. And keep in mind too, you can get our show anytime. BrianKillmeadShow dot com. You can get it on the stream, and you can also uh, listen to the podcast. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. What this bill actually does, despite the rhetoric from those that are fundraising off this issue and really polarizing it, to take away from the unconstitutional power grab of H.R. 1 that's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. And it's completely contrary to what they're trying to do in D.C. by doing away with the state's photo ID requirement by you know, doing away with it being illegal to harvest ballots in Georgia, making that mandatory at the federal level. I think the, the people really need to look at who's trying to restrict things is, is the Democrats in Washington, not Republicans that continue to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. So what they're trying to do is bulk up in Georgia signature verification. What they're trying to do in Georgia is expand early voting for four days, but they want the election to end that day. It's got to arrive before. Also make Georgia's vote uh, in the Georgians vote in their home districts. What's wrong about that? Prevent outside groups from sending duplicate ballots from mail and absentee ballots to voters who already applied for one. It makes things confusing, obviously. And the Dems are upset they provide driver's license numbers. So if you don't have a driver's license number, provide a social security number. What American doesn't have a social security number? Why is that a challenge? Other states that do exactly what Georgia put into law yesterday, Virginia, California, Nevada, they require both photo ID and Social Security numbers. What is wrong with that? H.R. 1, which is passed the House's date in the Senate, would implement mandatory automatic voter registration nationwide, allows voters to substitute a photo ID with a sworn written statement that they write up and sign, expands mail-in voting. How is that good? Restores voting rights for convicted felons. Really? Encourage statehood for Washington, D.C. What does that have to do with anything except for a balance of power? So Joe Biden sees what they're doing in Georgia and says this. Cut 24. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. The Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters, the folks out in the, outside this White House, I'm not talking about the, the elected officials. I'm talking about voters. Voters. And so I'm convinced. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Vince that 
we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. They focus on, well, members of the public in Georgia will be prohibited from distributing food or water to voters waiting in line. It's not so much because they don't want them to stand in a wait line and pass out from dehydration. What they're trying to say is you don't want people showing up online, offering you prizes, gifts, food and lunch to vote a certain way. So what you could do if Georgia might be in the provision, I haven't read the bill, but these are one of the bullet point the bullet points that have come out. What you could do is have uh, provide refreshments from the actual voting location as opposed to party. They say, well, uh, usually lines are longer in urban communities, minority communities. So they're trying to say, oh, no one's going to show up because it's so hot out in November. Absentee voters will be required to submit a driver's license number, other documentation. Over 200,000 Georgians voters lack a driver's license or a state ID number. How does that How does that make it possible not to vote? Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward? I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them, but to other facilities as well. We haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the American people a chance to see that. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now. Just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President? I don't know, to be clear. (laughs) That is a joke. Have you ever seen it? You're in a position. You are the president of the United States. Do you have the key? Is it is one of those? Is it a combination lock or is it a key or deadbolt? Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary, but most importantly, Fox News contributor. He's also the president of Fleischer Communications. Ari, I read your tweets. That's why we lay, we put this one in there. This is that is an outrageous exchange. How did he get away with that? Because the press rolled over, Brian. That's why. I cannot imagine if, you know, the authorities come knocking on your door because you're a co-conspirator and something that went wrong. And then you say, hold on, hold on. I'm happy to open the door, but let me hide the evidence. Yeah. And you say that to the press corps and the press corps go, okay, thank you, sir. We got it. Yep. Take your time. I mean, the press should be an open rebellion today about the way they, they're being treated on the border. And the president just says, I'm going to stick it to you, get stuck, and you're going to like it. Yeah. I mean, uh, he got away with that. And he said, and one of the questions was, too, uh, are, are you happy about that? He goes, uh, you know, uh, you serious? Of course I'm not happy about it. So what are you going to do about it? And they blamed <laughs> Donald Trump's lack of infrastructure for the surge, for the lack of facilities. He didn't take anything down. He just didn't have anything filled up. Well, then he was also confusing in his answers because he talked about we're not going to let anybody starve on the other side of the border, uh, which, of course, nobody is starving on the other side of the border when they're standing there trying to get into America. And then he said, but we're going to send them back to their moms. 
we're going to put him on a plane and send yeah. the kid back. So, which is it, Joe Biden? I mean, he's all over the map, but the one thing about the map that we know is they're still coming across the border. Here he, and it's because of his policies. Yeah, here he is blaming President Trump. Here's a guy who said, I'm not going to bring up my predecessor. Cut nine. What did Trump do? He eliminated that funding. He didn't use it. He didn't do it. And in addition to that, what he did, he dismantled all the elements that exist to deal with what had been a problem and, and has been continued to be a problem for a long time. He, in fact, shut down the... Uh, the number of beds available. He did not fund HHS to get people to get the children out of those those border patrol facilities where they should not be and not supposed to be more than a few days, a little while. But he dismantled all of that. I mean, what does that even mean? Oh, it's... Well, first off, and to their credit, the Washington Post and the New York Times are out with fact checks today, and they both say those claims are wrong, false, or exaggerated. You know, when he says that Trump got rid of the funding, what he's talking about there is money that would go to the Central American countries to try to solve their problems. Trump reduced the money. He didn't get rid of it. Uh, hundreds of millions were still spent by Donald Trump. He proposed cutting the money. It wasn't cut. And even if you quadrupled the amount of money, Americans cannot spend enough money to fix the problems of Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. We're not going to be able to keep people in those countries because America solved their problems. I mean, Joe Biden talked about the weather, hurricanes. What? The taxpayers are going to stop the hurricanes? I mean, the problem you have is that Democrats can no longer make a moral distinction between people who come here legally, which we encourage and we want, it makes us better, and people who come here illegally, which makes all of us worse. They, they've just lost the ability to make a moral distinction between legal and illegal. Ari, he, you know, he had to be crushed in that he wants to talk about the pandemic. He wants to talk about, about the $1.9 trillion. He wants to talk about his infrastructure bill. He doesn't want to talk about raising taxes, but would have come up. But instead, it was all about something that he had no plans in tackling, nor did he for some reason anticipate this being an issue. I mean, right. it's kind of bad, too, for the American public to think we'd be in the middle of a pandemic and, and none of the 10 reporters in 62 minutes brought up anything to do with the pandemic. Yeah, isn't that right? And especially what people want to know is if one person's vaccinated and they're talking to another person who's sure. vaccinated, do they have to wear masks? Why, by July 4th, can we only gather in small numbers in our own backyards? I mean, how long does Joe Biden want to keep his finger on the people? You know, the thumb holding us down for procedures and rules that probably make no sense anymore. So it would have been healthy if the press asked those questions, but I, I just scratch my head at how out of touch a lot of people at the White House press corps are. So the, listen to what he got away with yesterday, and this is true. I remember this. When the surge came at the border, the President Obama asked the vice president to go, and he remembered and said, I was in Turkey to go to Central America and find out what's going on with these countries. You realize they've had three and a half weeks to send somebody into any of these countries, and I don't even think they picked up the phone until last week, and Kamala Harris got the portfolio two days after she laughed it off. So yeah. here's what Joe Biden said he did. Tell me if this is not the most bizarre explanation you ever heard. Cut 13. What I was able to do is not give money to the head of state because so many are corrupt. But I was able to say, OK, you need lighting in the streets to change things. I'll put the lighting in. We got a contractor. 
we got the type of lighting. We paid directly to the contractor. did not go through the government. And violent crime significantly was reduced in that city. Great. So he got light bulbs, and he helped Guatemala with their gang problem. Well, first, I have no clue what Joe Biden is talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't – maybe he was climbing the ladder and putting in the bowl himself. <laughs> um, but I'd like to see somebody figure out what he was talking about. But two, American tax dollars – Go through governments typically. So if we've got a workaround, I'd like to see what that is. Maybe it's an NGO, a non-governmental organization, some type of nonprofit. But the central point remains, Brian, we, the taxpayers, cannot solve the problem at its root. The problem is fundamental. It's corruption. It's bad government. We cannot create a situation that stops people from coming to America. What you do is you create a situation that welcomes people to America if they apply and come legally, and yet stop them cold stop them. You finish building the wall. You reenact the re, the remain in Mexico policy. You talk tough. You show pictures of people getting turned away at the border. I mean, they should be showing the crowded, terrible conditions in those places right now because what the coyotes are showing people is people making it across the river and into America. What do you think is the greater incentive? People see their friends or people who look like them coming across the river. They're coming too. That's the problem. So the other thing was, and this does not serve the American people. I mean, uh, eventually it is. If you go down the chain, this is the filibuster. So we're going to get rid of the filibuster, which means Joe Biden gets everything done, you know, assuming that Joe Manchin becomes compliant. Uh, gets yeah. everything done that he wants. The $4 trillion uh, s- stimulus package or whatever you want to call it, infrastructure package gets passed. Uh, the HR1 gets passed. Who knows what else is coming down gets passed. So here is Joe Biden indicating he's willing to back the, the elimination of a cut 17. If we could end it with 51, we would have no problem. You're going to have to, the existing rule, uh, it's going to be hard to get a parliamentary ruling that allows 50 votes to end the filibuster, the, the existence of a filibuster. Um, but um, it's not my expertise in what the parliamentary rules and how to get there are, but our preoccupation with the filibuster is totally legitimate. But in the meantime, we got a lot we can do while we're talking about what we're going to do about the filibuster. And, and he talks about that it was abused over the last year, the filibuster. For Donald Trump, it was abused. It, yep. They used it way too much to stop Donald Trump's agenda. Well, let me make two points. One is the thing that really caught my ears was when he said it's racist. If it's racist, it's gone. It's that simple if you're a Democrat. You cannot support anything if you say it's racist, despite the fact that Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Kamala Harris all filibustered, which I guess means they used a racist technique. Um, So I I think the filibuster, Biden gave every signal yesterday he's going to be fine blowing it up. But, Brian, I've got to tell you this. I've long argued we should get rid of the filibuster. I do believe that elections matter. Majorities count. I can't stand inaction and gridlock. And if you lose an election, you should suffer the consequences. What I've also said, though, and this is crucial, is the filibuster should never be eliminated immediately. It should go into effect at the beginning of the next Congress. And this is actually the perfect time when you have a 50-50 Senate. You eliminate it because the principle of filibuster is no longer serving the public good, but you don't game it. So you only eliminate when you're in charge. No one knows who will be in charge. No one knows who will control the Senate in 2023. So you 
vote now, eliminate it, and you make it go into effect with a new Congress in 2023. That's how you do it fair, that neither party's gaming the system to take temporary advantage over the other party. That's what I've argued for 10 years. All right. I want you to hear, for everyone at home that wasn't watching the presser at 1.15 in the afternoon Eastern, here's the, here's the exchange Ari just referred to. By the way, that's a brilliant idea. Cut 18. Regarding the filibuster, at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. Let's figure out how we can get this done and move in the direction of significantly changing the abuse of even the filibuster rule first. It's been abused from the time it came into being by an extreme way in the last 20 years. Let's deal with the abuse first. Does that help you? Well, that's my point. Yep. I mean, if it's well, first of all, he's factually wrong. It is not a relic of Jim Crow. It was used throughout Jim Crow, just like it's been used for issues having nothing to do. Can with I just Jim say by Crow. Democrats too? Oh, absolutely, by Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Kamala Harris for starters. Uh, but, you know, again, Brian, the, the bigger point here is once the Democrat says it's racist, they cannot stand by it, even if it's not racist. If they call it that, everything else is window dressing and timing. Everything else is just the path to blowing it up and getting rid of it. And that's where we're heading. But you know what, what struck me as absolutely amazing is no reporter followed up with a tough question to Biden about his use of the filibuster. Why didn't, why didn't Caitlin uh, Collins, from uh, that was CNN, I believe, yep. why didn't she follow up and say to him, well, if you say it was a relic of Jim Crow when you f- filibustered, was that a relic of Jim Crow? Was it racist when you did it, sir? I mean, the press just gave him a pass on virtually everything yesterday, and all their filibuster questions leaned in the direction of, why wouldn't you want to get rid of it? You know, could you imagine when Donald Trump was president and Mitch oh McConnell God. and the Republicans ran the Senate, do you think any of them would have said to Donald Trump, well, wh- why don't you eliminate the filibuster? It would help you enact your agenda. Shouldn't you eliminate the filibuster? Could you, they would have screamed bloody murder if Republicans tried to eliminate the filibuster on how it would be abused, minority rights, it would jam through radical right-wing legislation. The press would have been up in arms. And here they're, 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 they're the doorkeepers it. opening the door to the lobby to get it through. I know. I've never seen it. You've never seen anything like it. I've never seen it this severe. Remember, you know, the New York Times blew up the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky story. It, you know, they would always, the press would lean left. I get it. But now they're all the way. They're actually, they look like they have bumper stickers on their cars and signs in their hands. Just for well, the that's record. the book I'm writing. I'm writing a book called Broken. The press in the era of Donald Trump and beyond, and you're going to see a lot of that in there. Nice. Uh, so I want you to hear Barack Obama in 2005, Senator Barack Obama, um, cut 20. The American people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day, they expect both parties to work together to get the people's business done. What they don't expect is for one party, be it Republican or Democrat, to change the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. Who do I believe? The the mature, (laughs) the 60-year-old Barack Obama or the 50-year-old? 
Exactly. And it's as if the reporters in the White House briefing room had never heard Barack Obama speak before or never heard <laughs> Joe Biden or Kamala Harris speak before. Because if they had, you'd think they'd throw their words back at President Joe Biden. You know, that's what they would do to Donald Trump. They were relentlessly against Trump. But, Brian, yesterday we watched a game of softball. When Donald Trump was there, we watched a game of spitball. Right. Now, Ari, you've talked to me twice this week. Sometimes we go months without talking. Is this good or bad? <laughs> um, it's a decline of civilization. <laughs> I, I think that's the only conclusion people can reach. <laughs> yeah. It turns out he's picking up his phone now when I call. I feel so important, Allison. And I, is- I hope I didn't create any problems for you when I referred to you on the air on Fox News the other night as Walter Cronkite. Uh, I, I hope that didn't ruin your career. Actually, it helped it because people thought they don't know how sarcastic you are. They thought you were being sincere. So most people said, Ari Fleischer gave you the best compliment. And I said, okay, let's leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it. You got it, Brian. Great to talk to you. Yeah, same here. Can't wait for that book. Back in a moment. Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Etsy has just announced a limited edition Peeps flavored line of marshmallow sodas. Marshmallow Peeps soda. It's ironic that this is being released for Easter because it's the thing that makes me most question the existence of God. <laughs> Here's my thing though. Here's my thing, right? I don't work in marketing, okay? I'm not, that's not, you know, that's not where I've chosen to, to put my time, nor have I been asked to, but I do feel like if it's a combination of Peeps, and Pepsi, should it not just be called Pepsi? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's a long way to go. <laughs> but the first joke was funnier than the right. second. But here's the thing: I think he's trying to lose weight. Is he? Has he made that? Pro- I, I read that he's going to this year be losing a whole bunch of weight. Didn't he sign on with Weight Watchers, or not? Maybe sign on, but he's partnered with them in some way. I saw that a few months ago. Right. Do you want to put your best person on that? I'll put, well, no, I didn't expect the conversation to go to that turn, right. but I'm, I will confirm that for you at a later point in the show. But he does look more svelte. Right. Uh, he does a pretty good job. They, got, they, they kind of made their show a radio show. They open up instead of a cold open. They just open up with a montage, and he's sitting, and he talks to his whole crew, and he's got about 20 people in the audience because California is ridiculous. And it's a totally different show. You could see why they, the rumors he wants to go back. You could see that he's he's like, this is not what I want to do. But he, but he's so good, though, with the carpool karaoke and he's all of that him. stuff. I, mean, I don't think they have, you know, these unions don't want to go out and shoot, I guess. I don't know. I mean, who's ever shooting report, I, I guess. Well, the carpool stuff, they just hook up a bunch of cameras in the car. I guess just once him and then whoever, whatever celebrity, they're both, both vaccinated, then they can do it. So hopefully within a few weeks or months, Is that will be back at it. I don't know. I don't know. WTRC, real quick, William, South Bend, Indiana. I don't want to leave you holding. Real quick. What did you think Morning, last Brian, night? Brian, thanks for taking my call. Hey, it was it was embarrassing yesterday uh, with O'Biden at the podium. I, it, it is just, I, I can't believe how the American people, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, how they can look at this guy and think he is representing the most powerful country in the world and this is acceptable behavior absolutely and i will you know china's taking it in uh they already berated our people in alaska donald trump said i would have had my people walk out 
And number two, member Vladimir Putin, I wish you good health. That was a dig. They know, William, they know. Real quick, on James Corden. He lost 16 pounds with Weight Watchers, and it's been transformative. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. This is Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, around the world. Uh, The Brian Kilmeade Show will feature this hour, Will Kane. How do I know? I actually have an in-studio guest, and I remember what Will looked like because he hands his headshot all around the building when he first got hired. He signed (laughs) him for everybody. So it's so easy to remember exactly what Will Kane looks like. And then we have Congressman Jim Jordan at the bottom of the hour. But Will's been doing a great job filling in for me. Uh, all week long on Fox and Friends, and then you did last weekend, and then this weekend. So you figured out you're in t- you're coming into a lot of overtime. Will <laughs> I don't think I get overtime. It'll be nine straight days for me of Fox and Friends by Sunday morning. You know, I was just thinking as you were describing me in the most unflattering terms possible. What is the most? And I want to use appropriate FCC level language here. What is the most? I don't even. I can't find the benign Sesame Street version of this word that I want to use. But what is the most, the biggest turnoff a dude could do as he introduced himself around to his new workplace? Certainly handing out a headshot (laughs) would be near the top. I I heard Himmer the other day, and I love Himmer, but I I understand Himmer refers to himself in third person by his last name. Really? So he says, Himmer is here. Yeah. (laughs) That's a little. Which I love. Right, but that's a little sporty too, you know. Like he I'm has start doing that. Kane but, is here. Here's my headshot. But I would say this, Will. I did go to Ohio for an event, and the guy that picked me up said I played football with uh, Bill Hammer, and they said he was an excellent football player. So oh, maybe in his mind, he still thinks he's that high school star, <laughs> right? Hammer is here. All right, I'm going to tell you in the break. There is a guy that showed up, uh huh, and did. Should I? I can't say. Yes. It. No. You, you're all in. Right, and did show up and hand out headshots really? at his live event, just assuming that people wanted it. So wait a minute. I need a few more details. Was this a speech that he was giving, and for the people that showed up to his speech, he had headshots ready for them? It was a shoot, and it was told to me by the producer. He was relatively new at the time, and he still does it. Um, I don't know if I could say, but let's get to the big three. <laughs> now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I love how we uncomfortable you are. Right? We believe in free debate and conversation to find the truth. At the same time, we must balance that with our desire to, for our service not to be used to sow confusion, division, or destruction. This makes the freedom to moderate content critical to us. He's an electrifying speaker. That is Jack Dorsey of Twitter. (laughs) Big tech, big problems. Widely blasted on Capitol Hill yesterday. As it becomes clear, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are too big, too powerful, and they miss Trump. While Parler is battling to get back in the game, I'll explain. Number two. It's so insulting to every citizen of this country to say that it's a civil rights violation to ask somebody for an ID to vote. It's suspicious that Democrats suddenly decided that voter ID violates civil rights. 
Stephen Miller, angry as heck last night on primetime. Voting rights, H.R. 1, federalization of the elections is being debated in the Senate to reform state voting. Like what's being ratified in Georgia, a pitch battle emerging between both sides and the stakes could not be higher. Also, looming in the background is whether the Senate rules will change, meaning the Democrats get to do whatever they want and change America forever. Number one. The best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway, <laughs> where am I here? Let me see. This makes Jim Crow... Look like Jim Eagle. Sorry. Oh. It took 64 days for President Biden to hold a press conference. Now I know why he waited. He was not strong. He was not smooth. He needed flashcards for basic policy questions. His greatest asset, a compliant press. Main theme, border crisis. Biden blames Trump and Trump hits back. Will Kane, now you are officially introduced to this hour. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, I was watching what you guys were doing this morning on Fox and Friends. And you were, you were talking about this. I mean... I wasn't expecting him to be smooth, but I don't think he needed to read it. I didn't think he would need the former chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. We need a flashcard to know about North Korean foreign policy after they set up a rocket, something they've been doing for 25 years. Come on. Isn't that scary? Absolutely. When you just set that up, you said you were talking about this, and I almost um, heard a little bit of a sense of surprise in your voice. Do you think there are many that consider this an off, um, out-of-bounds topic? I, I'm wondering. I think that many in the mainstream media would think this is unseemly. Wait, what is? To discuss Joe Biden's fumbling, stumbling, oh. um, that, that it's taking uh, low blows, that it's cheap points. And what we're talking about, and this is why I don't think you think that. Yeah. The, the surprise that I heard in your voice is, reflects the way so many are approaching that story. And it's a legitimate story. We're talking about the leader of the free world. Right. And if he can't maintain a train of thought at various times or get by without notes and cards, that's a, that's a big concern. That's a legitimate concern. I would say this. You know, that four to three to $5 trillion infrastructure package, if he wanted a list of things in it, I would say, okay, I got it. You know, right. hey, guys, give me this list. I'm going out there to meet the press today. Okay, I got it. But North Korean policy, immigration facilities, uh, past policies, stuff that he's been doing since he was 28 years old. He's now 78. Right. I mean, my goodness, if anyone doesn't need a briefing, he should be briefing his briefers. So, look, let's be fair. He also had moments of clarity, and he also had moments of strength. The question then becomes, do you define that press conference by your moments of clarity or your moments of confusion? For four years, the press defined any press conference by Donald Trump by any misinterpreted or created controversy they could. They clearly were operating from a playbook that if he said something that they disagreed with, that was the story. But when it comes to Joe Biden, they're operating from the presumption like a mostly peaceful protest. If it was mostly clear, then he is of appropriate strength, will, and wit. And if he makes any mistakes, those shall be ignored. Right. These are different than the Joe Biden mistakes from 1990. And 2000, they're different. They're not the same as vice president. Remember when he came out with John Robertson, screwed up the and he made some uh, comments and uh, getting the Irish prime minister's name wrong or saying he passed away when he was sitting right next to him. Those are that's different. Joe Biden. This is this is a guy that's clearly a halting. I was I was doing today is uh, I was going through the transcript in order to ask Eric to pull whatever. And I could not believe how incoherent his sentences are. When you actually read what he says, the verbatims, there's not one complete thought in those sentences. you got to go do it. Jonathan Allen tweeted this out of Axios. He said, when this started, Biden is knocking this one out of the park so far. A little bit later, Jonathan Allen, 
Biden sounding and looking tired partway through. That was only 62 minutes, 10 questions partway through. This is what I found the most insulting and abhorrent, and he got a pass. Cut three. The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. How does he get a pass on that? Because that's Trump not a mo- kids. That's chart. right. That's not a stumble. Oh no, that's a lie. Right. It's it's not even accurate. And by right. by the way, since when does the Remain in Mexico policy violate international law? It was an agreement between the U.S. and Mexico. We didn't say we're leaving them there. Tough. This is a deal. You put twenty thousand Marines on the border. We don't give you tariffs. So, Brian, uh, I'm sorry. So, Brian, I know that one of your passions is foreign policy. So, can I play this out with you for a moment? Here's why this matters. Because, and this is kind of fascinating, Joe Biden seems to have compensated. He acknowledges or understands or is self-aware enough to realize he loses his train of thought and finds himself, as our friend Steve Ducey described it, in conversational cul-de-sacs. So he's compensated for that by being more adamant. And getting a little more angry. You know, he, he, he uses more, come on, guys. Yeah. I'm being, I'm being serious here, guys. Is that a serious question? He's compensated for that potential of losing his train of thought with more faux sincerity and mm-hmm. more faux adamance. So here's how it matters. When it comes to foreign policy, that's a bad concoction. You can make um, loose, inaccurate, unpredictable statements in a tone of strength. Like calling Vladimir Putin a killer, and then you have a real-world problem on your hands. That's where I think this really begins to matter as an issue that affects the United States of America. Absolutely. When he said he's a killer and he has no soul. Oh, really? That obviously is an international calamity if Trump says it. It shows a a knee-jerk reaction to foreign policy, not understanding what your words mean. My goodness, you you can answer that question in your sleep. Because do you look at—by the way, that was a leading question by George Stephanopoulos. Do you look at uh, Vladimir Putin as a killer? He's going, listen, I know Vladimir Putin well. We're going to be meeting soon. Uh, He approaches things totally different than the way I approach things. I am not happy the way he's treating uh, um, uh, the the poisoning of the uh, Val—what's his name again? Uh— Val, no, no, uh, Val Ganey, uh, whatever his name is, I, I apologize. But, you know, and this is so things he's done, and I, I'm going to be talking to him eye to eye because our countries have to work together uh, when it comes to Iran. We have to work together on uh, a nuclear uh, agreements, and there are areas in which we'll never be able to work together. Okay? As opposed to you called him out. Right. He demands that you have a debate live on international television for the whole world to see. That, to me, is problematic also. I believe China knows how weak he is. And a guy that says China can't eat our lunch, come on, man. That's how he really felt. Here's what he said last night about China, yesterday afternoon about China. Cut 27. Did you move too quickly to roll back some of the executive orders of your predecessor? First of all, all the policies that are underway were not helping at all. Did not slow up the amount of immigration and as many people coming. And rolling back the policies of separating children from their, from their mothers, I make no apology for that. Rolling back the policies of uh, remain in Mexico, sitting on the edge of the Rio Grande in a muddy circumstance with not enough to eat, I make no apologies for that. I make no apologies for ending programs that did not exist before Trump became president that have an incredibly negative impact on the law 
international law as well as on human dignity. Right. And the problem with that, that was totally inaccurate. And I'm going to get to China in a second. But Tom Homan answered that. Cut 14. President Biden said today that he's not going to be ashamed of undoing, you know, President Trump's policies of family separation. Well, let me remind him, I was there in, during the Obama-Biden administration, and we separated families. It happened under his administration. And the cages that they want to call cages were built under his administration. It was President Trump that ended family separation. So let's get that clear. And they're back to the same facilities they attacked the president on, the very same facilities, except the quality of care has went downhill under the Biden administration. So the fact is, President Trump did much better with, with the crisis. He fixed the crisis and got us to a record historic low on illegal immigration. He doesn't understand that when you make these policies, people stop coming. They react to the policies. And then he lied about the numbers. He suggested that the numbers are down from the increases under the Trump administration. He suggested it's a seasonal surge, totally normal what's happening at the border. These are simply false statements, provably false statements. I'll tell you one, and I don't know if this is in your cut list that you're going to play, but for an example of him projecting adamacy and strength when being inaccurate, it's when he did the whole Jim Eagle thing, right? So he says that Republicans advocating to use IDs when you vote is what do you say? It's it's not Jim Crow. It's Jim Eagle. And nobody knew what he was talking about. What does that mean, Jim Eagle? And then, I mean, an eagle is bigger than a crow. That's what he was saying. And so he's saying voter ID is more pernicious, that was his word, and a bigger deal than Jim Crow laws that force segregation among the races. That's How sloppy is that? I mean, it's right. absurd. And then – it's also 100% inaccurate. What they're trying yeah. to say is in Georgia they're going to put the same rules in that California has, that New Jersey has when it comes to voter ID and when it comes to asking for an absentee ballot. You've got to put your Social Security number on there. What I don't understand is they say that you, they, uh, 100,000 Georgians don't have state IDs. Do they file taxes? I, I don't know. Do they mm-hmm. get on a plane? Do mm-hmm. they get a rent-a-car? You have a Social Security number or else you don't belong here. So all of a sudden when it gets to vaccine, you need an ID. It's just when it comes to voting, it's racist if you ask for it. Tucker said this last night on his show after you did a wonderful job at 7, at 8. Tucker said, you got to have an ID to buy Sudafed. You yeah. know, I mean, so maybe what we should do is have a big push to get more uh, more people to have IDs. Absolutely. You want to fix this? Get IDs in everybody's hands. But, you know, Republicans can't be lazy about it and just allow people to call you a racist because you want an ID. <laughs> uh, you know, they they can't say if you don't, you know, for an absentee ballot, you just got to have a reason. That's not trying to make you not vote. They actually extended early voting four days now in Georgia. But what they did is they're just Brian Kemp is doing an interview and says that's just not true. That's not going to cut it. Right. You got to go out there. You got to go debate Senator Warnock. Let that be clear. I'm inviting you down to to debate this issue. Listen, uh, Will Kane's going to stick with us a few more minutes. Then we're going to have uh, we're going to have Jim Jordan going to be joining us right after that. Uh, thanks so much for listening, Brian Kilmeade. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. 
It's Brian Kilmeade. Biden answered questions about the border and voting rights and even asked a few questions of his own, like, who are you people and why are you in my house? <laughs> At one point, Biden mentioned his time in the Senate, and to be honest, he's even more experienced than I thought. I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Comically speaking, it should be a less believable number of years. <laughs> hey, so can I... Um, James Corden, by the way. Will Kane is here. I was, I was just realizing Brian might want to reset the whole show. Yeah. Don't talk right away, Will. Right. Um, bravo to James Corden. That's not something you see very often, right? right? Yes. Comedians in mainstream media right. offering somewhat you know, less than flattering comments on a Democratic president. Was Joe Biden joking on the 120 years thing? I don't know. He it doesn't seem like it, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know if that was a joke that he right. kind of like just motored through, right? Or I'm another not, faux pas. I'm not really sure, but you know what's so interesting? Did you see Danny Carvey actually imitated Joe yes. Biden? It's you amazing. See, there's two things that happened. Two both made the front page of the New York Times. Nothing to fool with Barack Obama. Comedians having a hard time finding something to kid around about. Right. Nothing to kid around about Barack Obama. Same thing with Joe Biden. You can't really find much comedy right. there. Yeah. But Danny Carvey did not care. Here's the deal. Number one, the thing that they said, come on. Number two, the two part. <laughs> Folks, three, you know, come on. I'm not kidding around. No rocket science. There's, here's the deal. Come on now. Now, the, the, he told, he knew, he knew it floated. He told Bob Woodward, he told jo- Joanne Woodward, he told, he told Bob Redford, excuse me, I think, I, you know. But folks, I care. I care a lot. People are suffering, and I do. And my mother said, you know, that's the way the cookie is. Those, those places. And, you know, we can do this, shots. We can, in fact, do better than we did before. How great is that? He nailed not only the halting and the stumbling, but what I was saying earlier, like, come on, folks, I'm not kidding around here. The atomacy. Like, uh, I, I am going to sound very strong at absolutely saying nothing. <laughs> right, right. And he says the same story. I mean, listen, we're only in, we're not even 100 days yet about his dad losing his job and saying, listen, I lost my job. You sit at the ceiling, you stare at an empty chair. You can't keep doing it. Right. I mean, you can't keep doing it. Can you? And number two, the second thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Come on, man. Um, yeah, and we played them both with uh, 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 Dana last night. Will, what do you have coming up this weekend? Do you have any idea? Because you just came off 15 hours of television during the week. Well, Pete was on. Uh, Pete Hegseth was on Fox and Friends this morning, so he previewed it, so now I know a little bit. We have Chase Elliott. How about that? NASCAR, great Chase Elliott, because this weekend NASCAR is going to Bristol. I actually love this story, Brian. I love a lot of stories, but um, – Dirt track, first time since the 1970s. They're pouring dirt all over Bristol. So we're going to be have reports from there. I'll be watching where I have Chase Elliott on. Uh, and we're also going to have a lot of news stories, too, Brian. <laughs> right. He doesn't know. He has no idea how to promo. So unprofessional, Allison. Just like you said, he's very unprofessional. Uh, but right now, you're on to be on with me tonight at 7. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That'll be exciting. Does, can someone keep this schedule? I thought I was absent-minded. Unbelievable. I'm trying Are we to be, be more professional on no. TV. Absolutely not. Okay, good. Yeah. You're a lion dog-faced pony soldier. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's... 
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Democrats believe that if they don't pass it, there's a chance they'll never be in power again. And if they do pass it, they could have permanent majorities. And the Republicans believe that if it's passed, it, it, it probably guarantees that they won't be in power. So this is like both parties believing that their this, their very survival as a party hinges on this bill. It's probably the most intense and important debate. I think the other thing that's really important to understand is it all, like so many things in Washington right now, comes down to the question of whether Joe Manchin can be taken at his word. Does he actually mean what he says? And the question of whether he supports getting rid of the filibuster or not is the threshold question for this and for so many other pieces of legislation. That is uh, Jonathan Swan doing some great reporting on Axios, on Axios, but on Fox News and doing that report. And let's bring in Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, uh, it's always great to have you on. He's not overstating what's at stake, is it? H.R. 1 will no. nationalize elections, right? Yep. It'll yep. make it easier it'll, to it'll vote. Put in place, yeah, it'll put in place all the problems we had in the last election, where in, in several of the key swing states, they, in an unconstitutional fashion, went around the legislature and, and changed the election law. Now they want to they put that into place permanently, and they want more states to do the same, and they want control of the federal government. Oh, and, and, and to just add insult to injury, they want you to pay for campaigns. Just, just what you know, Brian Kilmeade and Jim Jordan want to do is have our tax dollars used to help Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi uh, get reelected. So this is – I think it's unconstitutional. Um, I think it'll be challenged in court, and it's, it's, just, it's just flat out wrong. We want states like, like Ohio. We ran our election the right way. It, it, was, it was done right. We had results at 1030 at night uh, the way it's supposed to be with the safeguards in place like ID when you go to, go to vote. Um, we, want, we, want to, we want to maintain that, which is consistent with the Constitution, not do what the Democrats are attempting. But you did loosen up your mail-in voting because of the pandemic, didn't you? We did in the primary when it, when it first happened, but we did not in the general. Uh, the general is still a limited amount of time for absentee mail-in voting. And then when you go vote, you have to show an ID. There's a signature match. Uh, our voter rolls have been cleaned up. I mean, it, it is uh, – uh, the way we do it in Ohio is pretty darn good, much like Florida cleaned their, their election up, and then we had a great process in Florida this past election as well. So what they're trying to do in H.R. 1, which passed the House, not one Republican vote, and now it's being debated in the Senate, it implements mandatory mm-hmm. automatic voter registration nationwide. What don't you like about that? Well, I mean, look, we want we want everyone to vote, but the key thing I I think is is, is critical is when you go vote, show an ID. We want to know that it's actually Mr. Smith from 121 Johnson Street. That is you. Here's the ID. Here's the signature. That is how you protect the the integrity of our election process. So to me, that's the most important thing. And then this 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 ballot harvesting that goes on in California, where someone other than the voter or the board of election actually has access, actually has control of the ballot, the chain of custody. That's a problem too. This bill seeks to expand that nationwide. There's just a number of. And then, as I said before. I don't think it's a, I, I, taxpayers paying for. I mean, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for uh, uh, the election. campaigns. Yeah, candidates go out and yeah, candidates go out and raise money, run your campaign, get your message out. That's how it's supposed to work in this in a free country, in our great country, not public finance in a campaign. Also, Heck, people don't even want to pay for my, my campaign. And there's the people in my in our district. You know, I don't want to pay for my campaign, but I know there's a lot of voters in the district I get the privilege of representing who don't want to pay for Nancy Pelosi to get reelected either. Encourages statehood for Washington, D.C. What the heck does that have to do with it? Except for if it goes in, they get two Democratic senators, which will forever 
more than likely yeah. forever outbalance, uh, unbalance the Senate for Democrats, restores voting rights for convicted felons. Why is that an emergency? It expands mail-in voting, which we know is a is terrible and ballot harvesting. We just want, if you want to do a mail-in vote, I get it. You might be in the military. You might be relocated for your job. Just you, what you do is you have to make that request. They verify your address, who you are, and you go. So what yeah. you got, what they're doing in Georgia, and I think they're doing it in about 30 other states variously, are, it's a bill that is going to span early voting for four days, yeah. which I think Democrats should be happy about. They are going to uh, ask for Georgia voters to vote in their home the districts. Children. Prevent outside yep. groups from sending duplicate ballots for mail and absentee ballots. Obviously, that could be a problem. Puts too much pressure on poll workers to see if there's double balloting. And they want this is what got the Democrats upset. They want to provide driver's license numbers uh, for the ballots. Yeah. For what is what? Yeah. Is, so if you don't have a driver's license, you can use Social Security number, right? Yeah, right. No, the, 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 that photo ID or some kind of identification to safeguard the integrity of our entire process is is. Just common sense. The majority of the country supports that. The only people who don't are Democrats in power. And what they're doing in Georgia and attempting to do in other states is to clean up and safeguard their elections so we don't have the chaos and the problems we had at, that, that we saw in, the, in this past uh, uh, this past fall's election. Th- th- that is just good common sense. Relative to D.C., that is just a total power grab. It is unconstitutional. The American people don't support it, and it is it is all about political power and getting two additional Democrat senators in the United States Senate. Um, and I think the American people see it for what it is. And frankly, you would have to change aspects of the Constitution, the 23rd Amendment, which gives the, the, the three electoral votes to D.C. That would have to change before you could move forward and, and establish this statehood here. So there's a number of problems. The biggest one, of course, is uh, it's unconstitutional. And listen to this. Uh, Raphael Warnock, the newest senator, uh, he's going to be running for reelection in a year, said this about what Georgia is doing, 34. Georgia is ground zero for the voting rights debate. And... It is difficult to overstate how important this issue is. If there's any lack of confidence in our voting system, it's because politicians have been pushing the big lie. They are using the lie about voter fraud as a pretext for voter suppression. This is Jim Crow redux in new clothes. There is no reason for this. What we saw was black voters all across the country standing up, other voters of color, young people, women, students, and they made a difference in the election. Is that what this is? Excuse me. Excuse me, Brian. That that the big lie. I'm so sick of this. Remember, 80 million Americans, Republicans and Democrats have concerns about this past fall. Excuse me. This past fall's election where where you saw President Trump win 19 to 20 bellwether counties. He won. He increases. But Hispanic Americans, African-Americans got 11 million more votes. We won 27 of 27 toss-up races, but somehow, somehow the guy who never left his house won this election. So maybe that all happened, but we have never seen anything like we. President Trump won Ohio by eight. He won Iowa by eight. He won Florida by three, but somehow loses. So there were concerns with this election. I want to investigate and find out, but Democrats, they just want to call us names. Say it, use the use uh, racial references to Jim Crow, and, and when we're talking about ID, this is ridiculous. Let's let's put in place the common sense things that the vast majority of this country supports, and make sure we have the integrity that should be in our election process in the greatest country ever. That's what we're focused on doing, as well as the folks in. Uh, in, in, in the Georgia legislature right now. So when you talk to the president of the United States, I he thought he was very calm and calculated last night with Laura Ingram. He was. He yeah, was. I thought he was very <laughs> deliberate. 
and he was called out multiple times. I did not expect that. Of everything that happened, I expect the halting delivery. I did not expect to see the note cards on North Korea foreign policy. Yeah. I think an eighth grader yeah. who took social studies could figure out what our North Korean foreign policy is, let alone a guy who's been doing this for 50 years. But the way he called out President Trump over and over again no. and the tone of the questions, David. listen listen to what he said, which is totally inaccurate, about what is happening to people <laughs> crossing the border. Cut six. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing are being sent back. Tens of thousands of people who are, who are over 18 years of age and single people one at a time coming, have been sent back, sent home. That's not true. Only 13 percent are being sent home. It's false. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that's false. I mean, Brian, we went from President Trump, the the, the best, the the greatest presidency in in my lifetime, where a president got more of what he said he would do, got more of that done than any president we've had, again, in our lifetimes, uh, to to now the Biden administration. And, And frankly, it's sad. I mean, it's sad to watch uh, the president of the United States, the, the way he conducted himself in that press conference. You couple that with what we saw up in Anchorage uh, last week, where our State Department staff with our secretary of state sitting across from his counterparts from, from China and how that meeting transpired. I mean, th- there's no way that would happen on, in a Trump administration with Secretary of State Pompeo sitting there. So you put all that together and it's 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 a dangerous thing for our country to have um, – to have, you know, we don't know how much of the decisions are actually being made by the individual who was elected by the American people to be president of the United States, Joe Biden. We just don't know. But I think it's it's incumbent upon us all to pray for this situation, because when I look at it, it, it makes me it, I'm concerned. And I think so many Americans are um, some of it. You can laugh off and, you, and, and you, you see some of the things he says and the ridiculous things he said about President Trump. But um, I'm actually nervous for for for, you know, I'm just nervous for where we are as as a country right now. And you couple all that with what the left is trying to do, um, the radical in the last. But they are doing, Congressman. Congressman, they are doing it. Right in the last four weeks, they have the the Democrats in the House have have made uh, passed legislation that radically changes election law, which we talked about. Radically changes police law. Radically changes gun law. And last week, in the midst of this crisis on the southern border, they passed two bills that radically change immigration law. In fact, giving giving amnesty to 3 million illegal immigrants. That is that is craziness, but they're pursuing it. And this is why it's critical that Manchin and Cinema. I hope they stick to their word and do not change the filibuster rule in the United States Senate. Well, we'll have to see about that. A couple of things. So, you know, you guys argue, and I get it, Republicans and Democrats, but, you know, the rest of the world is watching. And if you want proof, right. look at what Russia's rhetoric is now about right. uh, is about slavery and America's inequities and Black Lives Matter. And did you see the quote yesterday from the Chinese spokesperson at the Chinese embassy? When we start complaining about them jailing and putting in concentration camps, their Muslim population, here's what they say. This is a picture of black slaves being forced to work in cotton fields in the U.S. Here's another picture of cotton fields in China. Where does the 70 percent of cotton is picked uh, with machines? There's never forced labor in picking cotton. Some are bent on linking job opportunity with forced labor and oppression because they have been doing this themselves for hundreds of years in history. So they're going back 150 years uh, in America's past, which we fought a war to eliminate. And they're putting us putting that in our diplomats face. Yeah, no, it's it's that this is this is the part that concerns me. Um, you know, it's uh, when you're dealing with China. The one thing that, that we know about international uh, relations and you know about foreign policy is uh, your adversaries sense weakness and they and they try to capitalize when they when they 
uh, when they see weakness. And I think that's the, that's the perception right now, and that's, that's what they think, and that's why you see the actions they do. They, they knew in the Trump administration they saw strength. They saw a president who was willing to put tariffs on China, who was willing to confront them. Uh, didn't, didn't call him you know, names and stuff when, when he was at a podium doing a press conference, but took, took the tough action, was willing to engage, but took the tough actions. They knew he was tough. They knew he was uh, operating from a position of strength, both President Trump, his entire administration, and certainly Secretary of State Pompeo. And it's a completely different position now. And that's what our um, – unfortunately, that's what our adversaries see. Uh, unfortunately, it is. So you have ruled out Senator Portman's seat, running for Senator Portman's seat? Brian, I think uh, I've said this before. I think the biggest threat right now to our to our country is the attack on the First Amendment. And uh, you know, Lord willing, I think we're going to take back the House. And if and if, if it works out, I, I hope to have a chance to be the chair of the Judiciary Committee, which is the committee most focused historically on protecting your liberties, the Bill of Rights, and your fundamental freedoms. And the attack we see on the First Amendment via the cancel culture, via big tech, big media, and everything else. Um, I think that's our number one thing to defend, because if you don't have free speech, how are you going to win the debate on any of the other public policy issues that we debate and, and we deal with in our country? So uh, to me, that's where I would like to stay focused. And, and then hopefully over the next few years, um, do everything I can in the Congress and around the country to help President Trump and, and hope he runs for reelection and wins in 2024. Uh, so how do you feel about J.D. Vance running for that seat? Do you know him? We got yeah, I, I, I've talked to him a few times. We got a number of good candidates. We got Josh Mandel. We got our former uh, party chairman uh, Jane Timken. We got some good candidates who have who've announced for Senate. Many of them were down visiting with the president, um, with President Trump uh, this past week. So um, I think there are going to be a lot of good candidates. We'll just see how it all shakes out. But the key is we got to have a Republican in that in that seat in the United States Senate. And and is, are you worried about anybody in particular on the other side? Not really. I think, you know, our state, President Trump won our state by eight and a half points. Uh, what President Trump did for the Republican Party is, as, as someone has said this, I think it's accurate. We are no longer the wine and cheese Republicans. We're the beer and blue jean Republicans. And a number of former Democrat, um, uh, you know, union Democrats are now Trump Republicans. And so I feel really good about where our state is. I think our party should have always been a populist party rooted in conservative principle. That's what we now are. I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I think that just is well suited for our state. So I feel real good about Republican uh, maintaining a Senator Portman seat. Do you think your party is going to revisit its view on unions? Because I think the ice was broken with Marco Rubio when he looked at Amazon and yeah. looked at the wages and their profits and said, you know, I, I'm for the Alabama group of workers unionizing. They're being abused. Yeah. Do, do you think that'll right, my dad. My dad was a – I think it's about helping middle class and working class people, which is what President Trump did. My dad was a union worker, worked 30 years for General Motors in Dayton, Ohio. And, and when Ronald Reagan came along, he said, forget this Democrat stuff. I'm a Republican. He's the biggest Trump Republican you can find. So that's the dynamic that's taken place. It's about helping, helping working class, middle class people doing the things that put America first. And they saw that, that fight, that intensity, and, and the results from President Trump. That's more than anything. I did an event. Last fall in Youngstown area, in Mahoning uh, uh, County, 350 people at a Republican. It used to be you couldn't find 350 uh, Republicans in Mahoning County. And when it was done, Jim Trafficant's family come walking up to me to get pictures with me. Jim Trafficant, longtime Democrat from the Mahoning Valley, his family at a Republican event asking to get pictures with a conservative Republican. Right. That's the dynamic that's now happened to, um, to our party as a result of President Trump fighting for 
fighting for uh, for working families and middle-class families. All right, Congressman Jim Jordan, never takes a minute, hour off. I don't know when you sleep, but uh, thanks so much for joining us, Congressman. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Take All care, right. buddy. And, of course, WHIO listeners are our great Ohio affiliate. Uh, when we come back, we'll take your calls, one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. And there we go. It is official. There is more to know. Development, uh, Arrested Development and Archer Star. You know when you see her. Jessica Walter has passed away at the age of 80. She's very funny. Quote, a working actor for over six decades. Her greatest uh, pleasure was bringing joy to others. Uh, she was uh, broken in 1971, so she passed away at the age of 80. Do you want to hear a little bit of hers, Lucille okay. Bluth? He's fine. I'll be in the hospital bar. Uh, you know, there isn't a hospital bar, Mother. Huh? This is why people hate hospitals. <laughs> yeah, she was funny. good. She was funny. It was great. It was a great show. Next. Rose McGowan slams the vice president for joining Bill Clinton for women's empowerment event. Quote, have you no soul? She tweeted out, this is obscene. You're speaking with Bill Clinton? Have you no ethics? Ask him about being on the island of human trafficking victims of 27 times. You're showing us exactly who you are, Vice President Harris. It's unbelievable. She's absolutely correct, and it's crazy how no one else in the media is making a big deal of this. I know, because they love Bill Clinton. They're protecting him from Jeffrey Epstein, too. Next, Sharon Stone tears into cancel culture. Listen. Cancel culture is the stupidest thing I have ever seen happen. When people say things that they feel and mean, and it's offensive to you, it's a brilliant opportunity for everyone to learn and grow and understand each other. You know, uh, she's on Sirius XM's uh, Jenny Hutt show. Just Jenny is the name of the show. It's about time. If more of these people speak out, maybe it will stop. I totally Corporation, agree with you. Are they going to st- are they going to stop hiring Sharon Stone now? They kind of have, but and that's true. Yeah. But no more people do need to speak out. You're absolutely correct. Right. Soon I will. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Thanks Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Shannon Bream is standing by. She's going to be joining us shortly, getting set to help host her show in about 12 hours. Harold Ford Jr. will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Democrats uh, upset about what Georgia is doing, and that is uh, modifying their election laws. They're calling it racist. How does Harold Ford feel about that as a Democrat in New York? Because a lot of the things they're converting, New York is already doing uh, in Georgia. And that's called having an ID and an absentee ballot and signature verification when it comes to voting. I don't know why people want to make are upset that people want to make sure you're you. 
so your vote doesn't get canceled out. So we have a lot to discuss. Mike Pompeo has really kicked off things in 2024. Why? He's in Iowa giving a major speech tonight. He's not really waiting for Donald Trump to decide whether he's running or not, which is interesting because he's been as loyal to the uh, 45th president as anyone. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We believe in free expression. We believe in free debate and conversation to find the truth. At the same time, we must balance that with our desire for our service not to be used to sow confusion, division, or destruction. This makes the freedom to moderate content critical to us. Big tech, big problems widely blasted on Capitol Hill on Thursday. As it became clear, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are too big, too powerful, and Miss Trump as Parler is now making it clear in a Wall Street Journal story that they told the FBI about some crazies on their site ahead of the January 6th story. They want to get back online. Number two. It's so insulting to every citizen of this country to say that it's a civil rights violation to ask somebody for an ID to vote. It's suspicious that Democrats suddenly decided that voter ID violates civil rights. Stephen Miller took 60 uh, voting rights, H.R. 1, federalization of elections. It's being debated in the Senate to reform state voting, like what's being ratified in Georgia, a pitch battle emerging between both sides, and the stakes could not be higher. Number one. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway, where am I here? Let me see. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Sorry. Oh. It took 64 days for President Biden to hold a press conference, and now I know why he waited. He was not strong. He was not smooth. He needed flashcards for basic foreign policy questions. His greatest asset, a compliant press. Main theme, border crisis. Biden blames Trump, and Trump hits back. I was surprised how much he blamed President Trump as I welcome in Shannon Bream, the same woman who hosts the 11 o'clock show, the same woman that wrote the book, The Woman of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Shannon, you are indeed the same woman. I am. I can confirm. Would you like to see some ID, though? Uh, no, not only if, only if you're voting. But if I well, ask you I for do, ID, and, that's and racist. where I vote doesn't ask me for ID. Oh, really? <laughs> so, oh, no. I know. People walk in and they remember me from last time. Um, yeah, they're like, Brian, kill me. Didn't you vote yesterday? Yeah, I keep voting. So I can't <laughs> believe this is a pitch battle and they're bringing up race in it. First off, how would you grade the president's performance yesterday? 62 minutes, 10 questions. You know what? I thought there were a lot of unanswered questions. We've heard a lot from Jen Psaki about we'll get back to you on this or we're formulating policy. And I think for most people, including the reporters in the room and a lot of people watching, they didn't get the answers that they were looking for on, say, the nuts and bolts of the plan for dealing with some massive situation and surge at the border. I mean, that's just one thing. The president was asked very specific questions. What's your red line on North Korea? Uh, and all kinds of things that um, we didn't get straight answers for. So I, I was left with more questions than answers. Yeah, here is uh, here's the president answering a, a question that should not have been tough. Cut eight. You've said over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. How do you resolve that tension? Well, look, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because, no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. 
The truth of the matter is everything has changed. Why, I mean, why would that even come off his lips? He changed the policy of Remain in Mexico. He changed the policy of, uh, of Title 42 that said if you come here, it's a health emergency. You have to leave right away. He's also blown up the 72 hours. A kid cannot be held for more than 72 hours. They're there for weeks. Uh, I mean, there's so much has changed. Where do, how does that even allow to stand? Well, and there are so many things he said yesterday that are in conflict with information we're getting from his administration. So somebody is confused somewhere or it's not accurate information about the number of people being turned around, the number of families being turned around. Um, He's saying the vast majority of people showing up are being sent home. That doesn't match with the numbers that we're getting officially from DHS and CBP. So there's some kind of breakdown there. Um, You heard him say last night or during the day yesterday um, that he would not do what he accused the Trump administration of doing, which is leaving children on the other side of the border as they're trying to crash to, to starve to death. Um, that, that really upset a lot of folks within the Trump administration because obviously it wasn't true. Um, we had Matt Bassett on last night who was with HHS and the Refugee Settlement Program, and he said that never would have happened. Nobody would have allowed that. Um, but you also have to be aware of the magnets that you're creating when people come. We played stuff uh, last night on our show from Harry Reid in 1993 on the Senate floor saying you can't make it so attractive for people to come here because we give them all kinds of benefits because then you're going to send them on a dangerous journey. Um, and little kids as young as nine years old, we, one of the reporters said yesterday that she talked to the mom who sent the little boy from Honduras. No parent wants to do that. I mean, that, that, to imagine the danger they're going to face along the way. Um, but when the magnets are there, the draw is going to be there. So a couple of things. I'm going to bring you to this exchange because how it ends is a, is a moment that we should all take in because it totally contradicts Joe Biden, President Biden's policies where he says, if you come here, we're not going to send you back. However, after they paint this scenario of this reporter talking about how she met this family, asked him why they came, this kid, and he said, well, my mom sent me here because I heard I can stay. Cut 11. Quick follow-up, if I may. Do you want to see these unaccompanied minors staying in this, ch- this country, or should they be deported eventually? Well, the judgment has to be made whether or not, in, th- in this young man's case, he has a mom at home, there's an overwhelming reason why he'd be put in a plane and flown back to his mom. Really? So that is the story? We are flying them back or we are not? Because currently, we're not flying anybody back. Yeah, and, and just look at the uh, facilities there. Well, we can't look at them because we're not allowed into the ones that are overflowing and filled with kids unless the only images we get are released by a Democratic congressman. So um, we can't really get a good look at it. But what we're told is there are thousands of kids in custody now. Um, they're not being turned away when they show up alone, um, that they're trying to reach somebody who would take care for them. But as this reporter said, no, nobody's contacted this mom. You're not, you know, President Biden said yesterday we were getting in contact with people within 24 hours. They say that's not happening yet. He said, well, if it doesn't start happening soon, people are going to have to leave, meaning I guess they'll be dismissed from their jobs. Um, it, it is an overwhelming situation for anyone, Republican, Democrat, whoever it is. I think you just have to be more transparent with people that you're in over your head, and this is a situation that's going to take some time to unwind. But yeah. be honest about what it is. But you know what, Shannon, it must drive you crazy, too, as I'm listening to this. What the reason they're giving us for not having access to these facilities. Now, Ted Cruz is going down there. Joaquin Castro is going down there today. 
They're going to have to. Even Senator Murphy, as left-wing as he gets out of Connecticut, said it brought tears to his eyes some of the things they're seeing of children and the conditions for adults who are being detained. We're not looking to jail them. We have nowhere to put them. So his answer on when we're going to get access is totally unacceptable. Here's what he said. Cut 12. What is your reaction to these images that have come out from that particular facility? Is what's happening inside acceptable to you? And when is this going to be fixed? That's a serious question, right? Is it acceptable to me? Come on. That's why we're going to be moving a thousand of those kids out quickly. That's why I got Fort Bliss opened up. That's why I've been working from the moment this started to happen to try to find additional access for children to be able to safely, not just children, but particularly children, to be able to safely be housed. It's been 70 days. Why do you now get Fort Bliss opened up? Why haven't you been down there yourself? I don't buy the fact that he says, I go down there with such a big footprint with Secret Service, I'll get in the way. No, you won't. The president's so getting away in the open border. We're not bringing it to a major city, stopping traffic at noon. And by the way, it wouldn't matter. No one's working in major cities. But stopping traffic, you can go to the open border and no one even knows you're there, even if you're the president of the United States. And I just think the optics of it would be helpful for him right now to be down there to say, I have compassion on these families and these kids. I understand this is a terrible situation. I'm working hard. I'm rolling up my sleeves. We're figuring out solutions. I just think the optics of him would probably be beneficial to show that he's directly engaged in exactly what's going on. Here's uh, the exchange. So we got to, if Shannon Bream wants to come down there, you're just going to have to wait until he's ready. And that's better be okay with you. Cut seven. Will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward? I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them, but to other facilities as well. We haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the American people a chance to see that. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now. Just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President? I don't know, to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, I will not be clear. All right. Just let's write that down. I will not tell you anything to be perfectly clear. I will not be transparent. Well, uh, you know, it doesn't help us to see the facilities they're allowing us to see, which are the secondary after the kids have been processed out. Um, Do we want to see the ones where the kids are right now, the ones that we saw during the Trump administration, where he got ripped left and right by people who talked about the fact that this was a terrible situation? And the Trump administration admitted this is not ideal. We don't want the kids held like this. This is not a good situation. Um, So, listen, I give kudos to the media and the mainstream folks out there who are demanding answers and are demanding um, to get a look at things and are being critical and actually asking questions about this um, because it, it at least shows me that they're going to be consistent uh, for some of them the way that they were regarding the Trump administration on this particular issue. It can't be ignored. It can't be. And Trey Gowdy had a great comment last night. You know, the other big story was Joe Biden saying the filibuster is a Jim Crow relic. Yeah, a Jim Crow relic, even though we have Barack Obama when he was senator demanding that they leave it there. And he went to bat for it for about 50 years in the Senate, never asked for it when he didn't have the majority uh, to get rid of because it wasn't in his best interest. So Trey Gowdy put this in perspective. Cut 22. 
I'm going to try really hard not to beat up on journalists for that pillow fight I watched this afternoon. But what a perfect follow-up question. Mr. President, was it a racist relic when your vice president used it less than a year ago to stop police reform that was being authored by a black man named Tim Scott? Was it a racist relic when you used it, Mr. President? I mean, how about asking a question, why are vaccinations up but school openings down? I mean, the vaccinations are exceeding expectations, school openings are below. That's a great question. I, I, I didn't hear a lot of great questions. Maybe that explains how a lot of them didn't get into law school, but I didn't hear a lot of great questions today. Gas is $3. Taxes are going up. He's going to announce it next week. Uh, we also know that we are in the middle of a pandemic. Now, one question about that, for example, what he alluded to is uh, the, you know, the schools are still not open. They're going to open within 35 days. You might, it's going to be summer. I mean, they're going to they're going to have a month of school. So I don't even know what he's even uh, talking about. So he, it doesn't seem like the press was interested in what the people want to hear about or raising taxes. I mean, doesn't that matter to the American people? Oh, it's gonna when they figure it out and when they hear, you know, we, he keeps saying things like, oh, Republicans support when they're, um, you know, asked about these bills and things that I'm doing. Well, sure, everybody wants to help folks like with the COVID bill. We, we want our friends and our neighbors and if we needed ourselves the help from the government to move on. But when you tell them about everything else that's in there, the numbers change drastically with a lot of this stuff. And I think that's also going to be the case when you come out with a $3 trillion infrastructure bill that somebody, some, you know, this, somebody's got to pay for it. I mean, Joe Manchin is asking that question, saying we can't just keep passing these massive things that are going to have long-term impact on our economy and not be honest with people about how we're going to pay for it. And, you know, the COVID bill, you think about that and some of the stuff that was tucked in there that states aren't allowed to raise taxes, um, but it's going to have to work out in the, in, in the wash somewhere. The money's got to come from somewhere. Right. Shannon, you have 12 hours to get ready for your show. In the between, will you talk about the women of the Bible? Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to be on the five today, too. So, listen, only my grandmother won't be sick of hearing about me by the end of the day. <laughs> uh-huh. Next week it comes out. Women of the Bible speak. You can pre-order it now. But watch Shannon Bream. She'll be playing the role of a key anchor host on the five. And I'll see you at seven. I've enjoyed you there so much this week. Thank Fantastic you, Re- job. Thank you very much, Shannon. Appreciate it. Uh, Shannon Bream, tonight on the five and then on her show at 11. Uh, meanwhile, coming up next year, one 408 7669 You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The biggest news arguably was in his opening statement, uh, quite a contrast uh, to the previous president who always wanted to be the center of attention. There is a sense of humanity that he is talking about here, saying this is who we are. This is the America that we are. We're not going to turn these kids away. Yeah, he did not turn back when asked about uh, being a good guy. The decency of this presidency and the American people, he said he embraces. We weren't talking about, and that was his response to the pandemic, and that's because the entire time he's been in office, he has been messaging. There wasn't a single question on it, which tells you one other thing. There's clearly not any negative questions to ask. COVID's going well right now for him. Really? How are schools going? How's that going? How about these variants that are uh, cycling through? 
what about uh, the AstraZeneca situation where can we trust it or not? Is there a fourth vaccine coming online? Uh, European struggles, uh, the uh, exporting of other vaccines to other countries. I'm glad that things on the pandemic uh, are going better, but they actually cases actually ticked up slightly. If you look at the New York Times over the next two weeks, they actually went up 3%. But I don't necessarily think that that was because not enough bad is going on. I think that the the Washington people are all cut up in Washington issues. So you heard how other networks viewed what we all saw yesterday afternoon. They loved it. In reality, what was there to love? The best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. When I was United States Senator, I mean, uh, Vice President... Am I giving you too long an answer? Because if you don't want the detail. No, but I mean, I, I don't know how much detail you want about immigration. Okay. Um, where am I here? Let me see. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. You got the right code for your credit card, uh, you know. What, 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 what was your dog's name? Okay, um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh. He had a list with pictures of every reporter in the room. He had flashcards laminated, I think, of every major issue in front of him. At 78 years old, the nuances of the reconstruction bill or the infrastructure bill, I understand it's a problem. The other stuff shouldn't be. That's a lot of malarkey. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. If we could end it with 51, we would have no problem. We're going to have to, the existing rule, uh, it's going to be hard to get a parliamentary ruling that allows 50 votes to end the filibuster, the the existence of a filibuster. Um, But um, it's not my expertise in what the parliamentary rules and how to get there are, but our preoccupation with the filibuster is totally legitimate. But in the meantime, we got a lot we can do while we're talking about what we're going to do about the filibuster. Wow. So and it is one of the major issues, one of the two things that kept coming up, the the chaos of the border, the crisis, the catastrophe at the border, uh, how I think inaccurately they're portrayed with Donald Trump's policies were. And I don't think he has been well advised on how his policies would be affect what's happening at the border. Things aren't just seasonal. They are worse. And Joe Biden talking about what everybody in the press seems to want him to do, and that is support the blowing up of the filibuster. Ultimately, it would not be his decision. What do you think? Let's bring in Harold Ford, former congressman of Tennessee. You see him all over the channel, and he's currently chairman of RX Saver. Uh, congressman, welcome back. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me on, and, and congrats. Uh, you, you were great last night on. You were great in the mornings always, but you were great last night also on uh, primetime, and good luck to you there. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'll be on. Uh, I'll finish up this week tonight, uh, barring any extraordinary circumstances. But, uh, and, and Congressman, I got to ask you, this is what we talked about last night, which you've been talking about too. 
You know every Democrat's on the record warning Republicans not to blow up the filibuster. You know I could roll in Senator Barack Obama saying don't blow up the filibuster. And I have uh, 20 cuts of Senator Joe Biden saying the same thing. What do you say now in – what does Harold Ford say now in 2021? Well, I hope they don't have to. I hope they don't have to end it. That would be my, my preference. Uh, you know, we can we can roll footage. And I, I, unfortunately, we could probably roll a little footage of Mitch McConnell saying he wouldn't confirm or consider a Supreme Court nominee during an election year than they did because the circumstances change. And he, he made a, an argument that was credible and believable, by a lot, believable in, in, the, in the minds of a lot of people. The question becomes, if you listen to what we should say, the question for me is listening to President Biden yesterday, I was encouraged, uh, not because he said he wanted to break the filibuster or change that, but because he said, look, I don't know the rules. It's not my preference. We have a lot we can continue to do between now and when that when we're faced with dealing with that question. And I think, you know, as politics is a fluid business uh, and, and, and anyone that changes his or her mind when it comes to the filibuster is going to have to explain why, much like. Any, any politician, Democrat or Republican alike, when they have a changed opinion about a you know, set of facts, the voters deserve to know why. And if voters don't like the answers that, in this case, a lot of Democrats will probably give for changing their mind about the filibuster, then that's what we have elections for. Well, that's interesting because, if you know, like you said, uh, it was Harry Reid that changed his mind and blew up the filibuster with judicial nominees. And Mitch McConnell said, OK, I'll take that. And then Mitch McConnell told Donald Trump, we're not doing it in the majority. We're not doing it. Trump was pushing him to do it. In fact, nobody in the press ever asked Donald Trump to blow up the filibuster. But last night they were almost begging him to. Listen a little bit more, uh, uh, Harold Ford. Cut 18. Regarding the filibuster, at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. Let's figure out how we can get this done and move in the direction of significantly changing the abuse of even the filibuster rule first. It's been abused from the time it came into being by an extreme way in the last 20 years. Let's deal with the abuse first. Uh, So I guess he was upset that so many times the filibuster was used to stop Donald Trump, too, right? Yeah, look, I've taken that as word, Brian. I understand that we all we all sit in our political places, and ultimately we all want what's best for the country. But what he said there was as reasonable as as a Democrat or Republican. If it were Republicans saying that, I, I would agree with him on that. I think it has been abused, the filibuster rule, over the last 40 years by both parties. I think you, know, you, you were talking about immigration, and we've talked about that a lot. Both sides have abused that politically, meaning they've tried to score political points. Democrats have, Republicans have. And so it's not I'm, – I'm not justifying it, but I thought his answer yesterday was an adult-like answer, was a mature answer. We can, you can differ and quarrel with parts of his body language. Perhaps he didn't say it clearly enough, but he, he, he's being thoughtful about this. He has an agenda that the country elected him to push through and elected him to act on. And I heard him saying, look, I'm going to try my hardest to act on this without blowing up the protocols, blowing up 
uh, uh, regular order in the Senate and the House. And frankly, even Mitch McConnell, the day that President Biden was sworn in, he had, I think, half serious, half joking, probably a little more serious, looked at Speaker Pelosi and said, look, the new president and vice president are creatures of the Senate. They're children of the Senate. And I'm proud of that. So okay. I, I have to have to appreciate that President Listen. Biden and even the vice president understands what's at stake. Listen, I, I will guarantee you one thing. If Harold Ford was president, you would have given a similar speech than Donald, that, that Joe Biden gave at his inaugural, only you would have went to execute it. And if 10 senators arrived in the Oval Office with Harold Ford as president and said, this is my offer, $700 billion, and he's at $1.9 trillion, he would, you would have sat there and said, see, let's see if we can get this up. I'm going to see if I can get my guys down. We're going to meet halfway. Or maybe two-thirds your way as president. But you had 10 senators in the Oval Office wanting to do a deal, and he, they never got talked to again, and the $1.9 trillion was taken intact on a simple majority using reconciliation. What you just said is Joe Biden got elected to get an agenda through. Would you also say that Donald Trump got elected to get an agenda through? And would you also say without 60 votes in the Senate, he couldn't? And because of that, he didn't get his whole agenda through. Didn't those voters, Harold Ford in 2016, have a right to get their agenda through? Look, I think President Trump accomplished so much of what he set out to accomplish. And in the last year of his presidency, he was confronted with uh, what his own national security advisor said was an existential challenge and threat. And he then said, we'll never face anything like this in your presidency this four years. And if you're blessed to be reelected. And I think the president, the former president, was judged on that, and voters spoke, Matt. And when voters speak, I accepted President Trump mm-hmm. one last time and tried to tell, tried to encourage Democrats to learn from it. This go around, you have a new president, and I, I don't, I don't. First of all, thank you for the nice things you said about. I'm right. How my though. wife is listening about if I, if I'm president, I would have paid. No, I'm right, uh, and that, that that likely won't happen. But if 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 if. If, since he's in office, Biden's in office, I, I believe that he will continue to try to work with people. I don't know all that happened with the, the stimulus. I do know that both sides have a narrative. The Democrats and President Biden says, look, we tried to work with many of the, many of the Republicans, but they were unwilling. Many of them were unwilling or enough of them were unwilling to come up to the number that we needed. So they went forward with that. But, Having said all but, that, but Congressman, you know can, I, can I stop I you one thing? To find, I love right. trying to find. I love exactly. trying to find. Common ground and compromise, and one of the reasons I like a 50-50 Senate is because a guy like Joe Manchin has an outsized voice. I've said that throughout the campaign. I've said it on your morning show. I've said it right. on other shows on the network that he, him being a decision maker I think is a positive thing. But even if I don't always agree with Senator Manchin, I like the fact that his voice and his politics sit right in the power controls of the Senate. But the thing about you is you're not an ideologue. You want to get something done. And Joe Biden seems to have misportrayed how he was going to approach this. And now with the three to four trillion, if he does that through reconciliation and if Senator Schumer and all the others are going to look to get rid of the uh, filibuster, that's going to be their legacy because the Republicans are in a good place now to take the House. They have a shot at taking the Senate and you're never going to see uh, such panic on the left if the Republicans get in charge because they're not going to put it back. But I want you to hear what Ari Fleischer said. He had an interesting problem solving way to handle this. I've long argued we should get rid of the filibuster. I do believe that elections matter, majorities count, I can't stand inaction and gridlock, and if you lose an election, you should suffer the consequences. 
What I've also said, though, and this is crucial, is the filibuster should never be eliminated immediately. It should go into effect at the beginning of the next Congress. And this is actually the perfect time when you have a 50-50 Senate. You eliminate it because the principle of filibuster is no longer serving the public good, but you don't game it. So you only eliminate when you're in charge. No one knows who will be in charge. No one knows who will control the Senate in 2023. So you vote now, eliminate it, and you make it go into effect with a new Congress in 2023. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, you know, I, I like Ari. Ari's a smart guy. I don't fully understand what he's what what he's recommending. If he's saying you pass it now, if they were to let's presume you would change change the filibuster, but it doesn't come because no one knew they were voting. The, they, no one knew they were voting on a simple majority Senate. I guess that's his point. So put it out there. Right, and then, so what you would like to do, and, let, and then let the public. I assume exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm presuming what he's saying is let the let that be on the ballot with the uh, essentially with, in 22. You know, I, I think it's an it's, it's an idea that the Senate would have have to vote on. I still think that if you changed it, if they change it in 21 right right now, that the, the same thing would happen because at least in 22, you know, people go to the polls and they will see how the the filibuster and what it meant for policymaking and changes in the country. So either way, you're going to get what Ari is saying, I think, because voters are going to vote on it. They will either be voting on the results of a filibuster change or they'll be voting on the promise of a filibuster change or not if in 23. But look, I, I won't forward. I, I like Ari. I just, I, Ari, I just think we could you get both of them. You get that result either way because elections are about that. Now, where I differ with him is I'm, I'm not for ending the filibuster. I, I think there's 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 value in it. I do believe that it was used in, 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 a, in a pernicious way. I'm African-American. It was used in a pernicious way in our country uh, to deny rights and freedoms to African-Americans. But by de- by Democrats, though, too, Ari. That's how no, much. But, 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 Brian, I'm not. It doesn't matter to me who did. It. I'm not. This is not yeah. a partisan statement. This is just an American statement to me. So the the, the minority having a say, I think, is a good thing. I don't think there's. It, it's hard to imagine you want to do really big things and not be able to attract five to ten to fifteen members, whatever your majority is or whatever the minority is made up of, five to ten to fifteen votes from the other side. I don't like a country that is just Republicans getting what they want because they have the majority or one two seat majority and dem- or vice versa Democrats. It's I want to see healthy, negotiation. We gotta democracy. see negotiation again. Right. But if but people have to be willing like I the one thing I would count and the nice things you said about me, Brian, I would argue that they're not as many they're not that many Republicans like this any uh, in, in the Senate either. I was so pleased to see this morning Mitt Romney win the, the Profile and Courage Award, award at, the Kennedy, uh, at, uh, at the Kennedy Library there in Boston. Just, uh, I, mean, I, I, I just love it when both sides can recognize, look, we may disagree. And remember, Mitt Romney almost beat Teddy Kennedy for the U.S. Senate uh, um, uh, more than 25 years ago, almost 25 years, more than 25 years ago now, back in the 94 election. And that family was able to look beyond that and, and look to what they believe were heroic acts and political heroic acts of, of Senator Romney. So you know where I sit in this politics and, yep. I, and, no, and I know. I said about how you get things done. And I think ultimately, to Ari Fleischer's point, either way, you're going to get the vote on in 22, because if they change it today, yeah. voters will reject Democrats in 22, because presum- presume, presuming that Ari means you might as well let the voters know that's what you want to do. So campaign on that specifically. Or if you do it, voters will have, will have had an opportunity to judge you and grade you by what you right. did. So Congressman, not a bad idea, but I think it happens that way anyway. I want to get to the voting real quick. Uh, you know, in Georgia, at the same time, H.R. 1 is making its uh, way through the House. has been debated in the Senate, which will essentially nationalize elections, and, uh, make mail-in balloting more pervasive, and de-emphasize I.D., 
Georgia is moving with about 30 other states and doing things uh, to, um, I guess, early voting. They're going to extend by four days. Georgia is going to make you vote in your home district. They're going to prevent outside groups from sending duplicate ballots for absentee ballots. Uh, The Dems are upset they're going to ask for driver's license numbers or some type of state ID number. So this is what Senator Warnock said about that. Georgia is ground zero for the voting rights debate. And it is difficult to overstate how important this issue is. If there's any lack of confidence in our voting system, it's because politicians have been pushing the big lie. They are using the lie about voter fraud as a pretext for voter suppression. This is Jim Crow Redux. Do you believe that these rules in Georgia are to uh, to keep down the African-American or minority vote? And do you think that he's right? He could be. What I think he is, what I think he, I didn't hear his whole statement, but I, I heard obviously what you just played. I think where he is totally right is that we should not be trying to find ways to limit uh, eligible voters from voting, even if that means making it easier for them to vote anywhere in their state if they're not in their home county when they vote. But at the same time, I think we as Democrats and others, we should also be pushing for some sort of, I think, voting ID card so, so we can be assured that no one is cheating. I think Republicans run a little bit of a risk here. If, if their argument is we want to limit the number of people that can vote or limit the opportunity for people to vote, either by limiting the times, limiting the locations, urging different kinds of identification that could be different in different states, I think that's a danger. The, the real issue in politics, you've got to have better ideas. Now, I'm a believer. You want to make sure we don't have voting nights like we had back yep. in November where one state reports it all Tuesday night and another the following Tuesday and the other next December or in January. If you nationalize voting, there's one system that counts the votes. If you nationalize a voting card, you ensure that every eligible voter has, their, has his or her voting card. So I'm for expanding access to voting. I'm for expanding the franchise. And at the same time, I'm for expanding that we can be assured that those who voted actually were, were eligible and, and, and registered right. to vote. I but, think all of this is achievable. Right. I think all of this is achievable. But possibly, but it's unconstitutional to nationalize an election. It, these are states' rights. No one's going to tell Oregon right, that they got to do it different. You know, no one's going to tell Colorado they got to do it different. They do almost all mail-in. Right, but so then you can't argue with the state for doing that. If one state wants to do all mail-in, if Georgia wants to do what Georgia's doing, they have every right to do that. If Senator Warnock wants to organize a campaign against those who voted for that in the state Senate, he has every right to do that. I don't like that, though. I step back philosophically. I think there ought to be a national voting system. If we are all concerned, President Trump expressed it, I thought, sometimes untruthfully, sometimes truthfully, but without question, powerfully, gotcha. that it seems weird that early in the night you're winning, later in the night you're not. The reason that's the case is because of the way votes are counted. Especially with the pandemic. For them to be counted. Harold, we need another hour, Harold. Unfortunately, I'm up against the break. Great. Have a great Thanks weekend. Thanks for having me. You got it. Yep. Congressman Harold Ford. Always love hearing him on the channel and on this show. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Just finishing up this hour. Had a uh, chance to really digest the first hour of press conference with Joe Biden. I don't think we're going to see another one for a long time. 
As Dana Perino said, I recommend he give small little interviews, give some sound bites here and there, and people won't be so starved for it. But I thought he was pretty terrible last night. And the halting delivery was probably the third worst thing he did. I think the first thing he did that was terrible was be inaccurate. And number two is go after the previous president, who was very measured on Laura Ingram's show. Ben, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Ben. Good morning, Patriot. Love your 7 o'clock show. I hope it becomes permanent. It is riveting must-see TV. Wow, thank you. I'll be back again tonight, so everybody watch. Appreciate that, Ben. We're on three hours in Jacksonville. That's even bigger news. Amen. Uh, Voting. I've been voting for 58 years, 47 in Ohio, 11 in Florida. I've yet to see a major lawsuit where a legal voter has been disenfranchised. Have you? Nope, uh, not that I've saw, uh, not that I saw, and I think it's interesting. I just keep race out of it, and the and the Georgia and these other people have to make clear what their objective is, and that's just to make every vote count. That's it. Uh, ben, thank you, appreciate it. Uh, I'll get to more callers. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you watch tonight at seven o'clock, and if you want to get any of my books signed, personalized, uh, BrianKillMe.com. It comes to me. I'm able to do that and send it out as quick as possible. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.